Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that will help us grow. Tonight, I am joined by Attila, and mate, we have got one of the most exciting episodes of all time. I think uh, let's let's call this the uh, the Chronicles of Attila because that's what that's what oh people are goodness. saying about you, mate. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> oh mate, look, I guess um, you know uh, the amount of time that we spent uh, between my wife and I in this in this field of, of many different. You know aspects of the paranormal. I guess you, you know, the chances are it's almost like you know closing your eyes and trying to shoot a target um, at a distance. And eventually, if you shoot enough shots, you'll eventually hit the target. Um, and I guess we were fortunate enough that we hit quite a few targets over the over the twenty year period. Um, and we've experienced a lot. There's no doubt about that. And and you know, especially myself, um, you know, sort of covering or having interest in in many different areas of the paranormal itself, because the paranormal doesn't just encompass, you know, the afterlife and and uh, and ghosts, but it also, you know, encompasses aerial phenomena and cryptozoology and, and other wonderful things that, um, you know, we, we all claim to see over, over over the course of history. So, but yeah, it's it's just been an interesting ride so far, mate. You have to have one of the most interesting lies I've I've really ever heard because it's it's something that is really unique that I I found with you and your family is that you all seem to really just encompass the paranormal and it is genuinely just a part of your life it's it's not something that seems to to terrify you and this could just be my external like looking through the window uh approach to to what your your life is but it just seems like you you absolutely roll with the punches and you know you may you may go into these areas that are extremely haunted or extremely kind of spooky but I kind of get the feeling that you live for that. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I do. Um, I guess we, we all take our, our own paths in life and, and I think that um, for some reason I think my wife and I chose this one, but, um, you know, this, this has been with me for, for a very, very long time it, uh, for, from a very, very early age and uh, there's so many stories and um, and as I mentioned to you before that, you know, for the past 12 months my wife and I have been sort of compiling the information together and, and putting it into a... Uh, a booklet which hopefully we might be releasing sometime this year but it does have a lot of information in there that uh, her and I experienced that we somehow we haven't even spoke of um that we decided look let's let's just put our cards on the table and it's it's good to have information like this I think released to the public because there are people out there who who may have had an encounter of a certain type but they can't seem to correlate that with anything that they've read or heard or seen uh, and 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 for, for some reason, someone says, "Yeah, I can connect with this because I've had a very similar encounter." Then, you know, I, I think that we've done our job. You know, I think that that people can say, "Well, look, I'm not crazy because you know these these guys have had a very similar encounter to to uh, to what, what we've had or what I've had." So, uh, yeah. It, and the other thing is also going into these places, you do still get scared. I mean, it's. It, Fear is, I guess, part of it. You know, you. I, I think that's when I feel more alive when I go into these places. You know, you feel the blood pulsing through your veins and your heart beating in your throat. And I think, yeah, I'm still alive. I'm kicking. Yeah, let's keep going, guys. So, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's been an interesting ride so far. And for those who are listening who may be new to the podcast, Attila's actually been one of our most returning guests on the show. You probably are now that I think of it. I think you've been on here. Uh, three, four, or five times now, and um, Attila, you're a, you're a paranormal uh, documentary maker, and um, you've you've been doing this for years. And you you were telling me that you've you've really been around the world shooting all kinds of of paranormal activity, um, paranormal TV shows, things like that. Almost to, and, and correct me if I'm I'm wrong on this, but almost to like a almost a reality TV type of level that you go that far into how this affects the people. Well, that's right. Um, I've, I guess, one of the first um, very raw, sort of very beginner type docu- docos that I did was for, for Australian Community Television back in 2006 was PI, which is Paranormal Investigators. And the whole idea of that was that we, because we, I've always taken cameras with me when I went on to these investigations, and there was a lot of raw footage which we wanted to sort of share with the public. But then uh, in 2006 and 2009, I filmed uh, a series called Par- Paranormal Investigators, The Challenge, and that was done many places around Sydney and outside of Sydney, a lot of places that had never been sort of investigated before. And I think that was one of the things that I really liked doing is just going to some of these places that, you know, that that didn't really have a history of, of ghost tours or ghost hunting or anything like that. But they did have the, uh, the occasional stories, you know, um, in history and even even in current times. So um, it was it was a good choice. And the whole idea of the challenge was that we, we had one, sort of so-called trainee investigator that we auditioned for and and this particular person sort of was with us throughout the whole series as we sort of investigated places like you know town hall in campbelltown um we went to um gosh some some old hospitals um we did belanglo state forest um we did 
um, you know, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff as well, even down at uh, Janolan Caves. So uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we did um, over time. Um, and uh, we got a lot of good feedback out of that. So, but then I did another one in 2012 called Paranormal Investigators Phasmophobia, which was another reality TV show. And, uh, <clears throat> and that kind of, um, you know, did, did the rounds as well. Um, it was, it was, we had a, a, a team of Paranormal Investigators and each, every episode, uh, if it wasn't a double episode, we had different people who took up a challenge and we, we asked them to do certain things and then they had to do it, you know, uh, in a circled haunted location. So that was quite fun doing it. Um, and then we, then I shot one called Paranormal Investigators in Tenebris, which is Into the Darkness. And that was, uh, my wife who, who played the medium in that, or she was the medium in that. We had a ghost hunter the, uh, who, uh, who accompanied her. And, and in Tenebris was kind of a, a kind of a short series that focused on more of the darker aspect of spirituality. And we went to places where, you know, some unsavory things happened in the past um, and looked at things like places of suicide and things like that. So it, it's, it's kind of considered as taboo where a lot of people sort of turn away from, from things like that, but they're very real. Uh, and some of the people that we interviewed even uh, over that course were people who had lost loved ones or good fr- or close friends to, to suicide. Um, and after that, I did uh, a doco called uh, Desolate, uh, and we went to Central Europe, and we just essentially hopped in a car, and uh, three of us, and just um, went on these. A good friend of mine and my daughter, and we just decided to go around Central Europe and just look at some of the abandoned places and film there, and stay there over the night, see if they were haunted or not. Um, and then two years later, we returned back to Europe, and I did uh, Ghosts of Europe, and that was a documentary. That I did again. Uh, we filmed over in Chernobyl. Uh, then we flew down to Slovakia, filmed there. Um, flew back to Hungary, or drove back to Hungary. Sorry, we filmed there. So yeah, did quite a few, quite a quite a number of sort of ghost hunting type, um, you know, content if you like over the years. So I've, I've raked up quite a number of hours uh, over the years. But um, I think the experiences have been. Tremendous. I mean, obviously, you go to a lot of places that things don't happen. Um, we're very quiet, and which is all good and well, and that 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 that's normal. But then again, you go to these places, and what I find, Kate, is the places, especially in Europe recently that we went to, um, were these places that never had any sort of claims of ghostly activity or phantoms. I mean, for example, Elizabeth Bartory's castle in Slovakia. <clears throat> now, Elizabeth Bartory was regarded as, as a female Dracula who, you know, who sacrificed virgins and all that. But, I mean, we know that that's not true now because uh, the church actually um, made her out to be like that so they can confiscate all her properties. But, but she was regarded as a female Dracula, but we thought, you know, well, let's go into her castle. And we did. And, and, <laughs> The way we got in, which is funny, because we rocked up and uh, we made no appointments, no nothing. And you know, the small crew rocked up, and it was during the day. And we went up to the to the caretaker there, and I said, "Look, you know, guys, we're here from Australia. We're filming a doco. Uh, you know, we'd like to stay here, um, you know, for the night. Can we please, you know, have access by after dark and all this?" And after some negotiations, and obviously, um, you know, we I decided, look, I'll, I told him, "Look, I'll, I'll do a short promo reel for you guys as well with all this." So very happy to let us in. 
all we had to do was ask, really. Um, and then we got access after they closed the gates on us and we were there until late night. You know, we paid nothing, which is really good. But in return, you know, obviously I gave them something. So they were very, very happy with that. But, you know, it allows us to establish relationships to overseas. But I just find that some of these properties that, like I said, haven't been touched by, by any kind of investigator who uh, sort of who are inquiring on the paranormal, about the paranormal, that, that some of these things, places just go off like crazy. Um, and we had an orphanage in Hungary just absolutely went ballistic. So, yeah, we, we I've, I've certainly sort of done quite a few areas within Australia or actually visited a few areas and filmed a few areas in Australia and overseas. And it's, it's been very, very interesting so far. Indeed. It's um, it's kind of like a lifestyle or I guess a, a career choice that I think a lot of people would be quite envious of because not only are you getting to, to go on these fantastic adventures, you know, you're, you're exploring the world, you're seeing sites that a lot of people probably wouldn't get to see, but you're also really expanding your, your knowledge into this, into this world because the, the thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is that I genuinely learn something new with every interview that I do because you may think you have something figured out and then someone will come on and talk about something in maybe just a, a one degree of separation from what you originally thought. And it can really change your complete outlook on everything. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and pardon me. I mean, the the experiences that I've had over the years has taught me so much that, you know, you can't take things for granted, you know. And if you're expecting something that's going to happen, well, it may not always happen the way you anticipate it's going to happen. <clears throat> Pardon me. And when you have a, um, especially when you're filming the paranormal, like in a, in a way of, of, you know, ghostly activity or hauntings and the likes, you could have a plan laid out, but I can assure you that most of the times it actually doesn't work out that way. You know, it's just, and that's the fun part of it. It's It's the it's not only the paranormal, but it's the unexpected, the, the curveballs that get thrown at you and, and the, the way you deviate um, because you might think, wow, this is a much better angle. Or, wow, this is happening right now. Let's focus on this instead. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's, it's really like a mixed bag of lollies as, um, as Forrest Gump would say. I don't know if it's lollies or chocolate, but um, it really is. It's 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 one of those things that you just walk in and you just hope for the don't have any expectations. That's just my my recommendations. I mean, I, I I always had expectations, but they've always turned out to be completely different. And I think that's the best way to go into to any type of investigation. You know, whether it be paranormal, UFO, Yowie, or whatever, is that you just you just go in there. Don't expect too much from it, and anything that comes out of it is an absolute bonus. Hmm. And just let things happen organically. And we found out that many times uh, if you listen, uh, you know, if you just sort of, I guess, um, respect the area that you're in, um, it, it'll it'll tell its story on its own. You don't have to force anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree with that because, you know, this is something that I want to dip my toes into. COVID's kind of thrown a little bit of a curveball in it in the whole paranormal uh, documentary making. But, you know, it is your kind of this wealth of knowledge and I'm, I'm always going to, to tap into, into your brain somehow. And uh, whether that's, you know, just calling you or getting you on the show as a guest to kind of pick your brain. But for, for you know, any aspiring uh, documentary makers or even just researchers in general out there, 
really have a look at what Attila does because I, I think what you do is it's really fantastic and you do take that approach where everything is, like you said, everything is just organic. Mm, mm. I appreciate that, mate. I mean, um, it you know, the, what I, the other thing I really enjoyed about this is the people I had along the way too because I wasn't the only one that took the journey. But it was all those other people and, and, you know, different people most of the times, you know, that when would I go on a journey, you have different people and, and they sort of follow you on this journey and they have their own experience and they have their own thing that they take away from it, their own meanings, their own, their own, their own values that they take away from this whole thing. And it usually is a positive thing. Or, or if it's not, then it's an enlightenment, I guess. Uh, it, it opens up a world, a completely different world for these people and make them aware that, you know, it's not just what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears, ears on a daily basis, that there is a much bigger world beyond that spectrum. Totally. Absolutely. So, Attila, we were talking before we hit record and you kind of just dropped one of the, the biggest bombshells that I think you've probably ever dropped on me. And, <laughs> and that is, you told me that you you know of a place, you've been to a place, you've investigated a place that you, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the record here, you dubbed it as the Skinwalker Ranch of Australia. You <laughs> Break this down uh, for me. Tell me about this. Uh, uh, yeah, look, it's, um, look, it's the only way I, <laughs> it's the only way I can, I guess, describe this place, really, because... Um, I'm not going to disclose where it is. All I can say is outside of Sydney, it's in a country area. Um, well, reasonably country anyway, but it's it's kind of on the outskirts of everything. It's tucked away. Um, it, it's no longer functioning. In fact, I think most of it, most of the buildings are no longer there anyway. Um, so this is basically just a, a, a history of what this place used to be and whether or not it still is, maybe the grounds are still you know, still alive with all this high strangeness, if you want to call it that, then then it probably lives amongst the trees and the forests, you know. Um, but this this place, you know, we discovered, oh, crikey, probably about over 10 years ago now, way over 10 years ago now. And I discovered it accidentally. And when we went in there, it was basically a place that had never been, well, at least that was the impression that I got, that had never been really thoroughly looked into to see if there was something peculiar about it, apart from the architecture and the likes, you know, and where it was situated. And this place is is so far away from everything else. It's, it's, it's it, you know, the nearest, I guess, residence is probably about, maybe about 10 kilometers away maybe even more um so if you really got into to some some strife you you would have to go a long way and this is like real horror movie stuff when you start thinking about it um but look i won't go into what happened the first time we were there because i guess i had a very personal encounter there and i think that was the first time i ever really knew what it was like to have a foreign energy inside your body. And it was nothing that I actually invited. It actually happened on its own. And and when it happened, I did not know what the hell was going on. And I, I, I lost consciousness and 
the people who who were there at the time were basically carrying me. I was dead weight, but I did talk to the people who were asking questions, and they obviously knew what was going on. And it wasn't until they dragged me outside that I started to come to, and I felt very embarrassed about it because I completely lost control of myself and it wasn't me. It was almost like I had a, a foreign energy, a foreign consciousness inside me that was talking through through my body to these people. And that kind of was the catalyst and it just kept on dragging us back, drawing us back, drawing us back. Um, it was like a, almost like a drug, you know, you just wanted to, that first high that you got, you always wanted to go back and get that same fix over and over again. Not that I've ever tried drugs in my life, which I haven't, but um, I could imagine that it, this would have been a very, very similar situation because of the adrenaline and because of something that was luring not just myself but other people back. Um, and, and this place is probably about the darkest place I could imagine. I mean, you know, I've travelled overseas and, and, and I've, I've seen a lot of places, I've went to a lot of places, filmed in a lot of places, been to a lot of places that were claimed to be haunted, but nothing came to the measure of this place. This this dwarfed everything else I've ever been to uh, in a way of activity. But I guess one of the, the interesting encounters, and I think apart from what happened with me, was the fact that there was a lot of physical stuff that was going on. So it wasn't just parapsychological, but there was a lot of paraphysical stuff that was going on there too. And by that I mean there were voices echoing through the hallway there were probably the most violent poltergeist activity I've ever experienced was in this place. Um, to give you an idea, we were we were in one part of this 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 facility, uh, which which used to be a, a an old hospital at one point in time, and um, we were we were at the far end, and I had a boom mic sticking out in the hallway, and I was hearing these voices, and it was really strange because. It actually sounded like a hospital, a functioning hospital, the hustle and bustle. And this thing came in waves and repeated itself over and over again. And it was really because I had never experienced anything like that in my entire life. So we started hearing bangs and crashes and all that further down. So we got up and, and went down to see, okay, well, did somebody break into this place? And we checked the whole place and it was, everything was locked, closed up. Nobody was there, all right? So let's hang out down to the bottom and see if something happens. And lo and behold, something did. The first thing that we experienced was a dramatic drop in temperature. And one of the, one of the members was my wife at the time. She was there with me, and she started asking questions, and she was getting responses in the way of, of the walls being hit. Um, and then all of a sudden, that came to a standstill. And then that's when we started feeling the the temperature dropped dramatically and then it was like i don't know it was like someone went ballistic in there with a plank of wood and just started smashing going up the hallway and the, the walls were resonating and the debris on the ground were being flung around like there's no tomorrow but i was so damn scared everybody was so frightened that i was actually had my camera pointed in the hallway waiting for some silly bugger to run past but nothing did and everybody was frozen, stone cold, with absolute pure fear. And we were just looking at each other thinking, what the hell did we just experience? 
so we waited. And the way this came was it was really funny, Kate, because it, it actually came up like a build-up. You could feel the energy being built up and that the temperature dropped and it was getting violent and violent, more violent as it got close to where we were sitting in the hallway. And then all of a sudden, just like something cut it off, bang, it was done. And there was no movement, no nothing. It was completely silent. It was like we're stuck in the middle of a storm, like the eye of the storm. They had this vortex of silence. And then one guy he said, all right, I'm going to see if there's something out there. So he leans back and sticks his head out into the hallway. It's pitch black. Couldn't see anything. So we, we, it took us about probably about two or three minutes, but, you know, to, to gather, to gather our, our, not only our strength, but our wits and, and our courage to actually get up, turn the torches on and see what the bloody hell did we just experience. How and long did that nothing. go on for? This went on because it was actually teasing us before. This went on for probably about five or ten seconds. No more than that. Wow. That would no have been, more than that. Because you would have seen something if you would have seen something if, Mate, if someone was doing well, that. The thing is though, this place is so dark, inherently so dark in there that even if you had full moon outside, the hallway is pitch black. So there's no way you can navigate through that property without torch, without some kind of aid. Um, and not only that, if somebody did break in, you'd hear them walk away because the, the, the floor is made out of, of, of timber. So, and the wood actually creaks when you walk on it. It's a very old property. Um, and it creaks as you walked on it. And nothing like that happened. It was like it came to a standstill. And whatever actually caused that was standing there in the hallway waiting for us to come out. And that's what it felt like. But when we stuck our head out and when we walked out to our torch, there was nothing there. Absolutely nothing there. What now, goes through your mind in that moment? Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to die. <laughs> I could imagine. I could imagine. In Something a very nasty way. <laughs> Mate, I don't know because it's so... You know, you, you hear about poltergeist activity and things like that, but when it actually happens to you, it feels so unreal that your 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 mental state at the time is confused between what's happening, what you think this could be, and bloody hell, I've never experienced this, and I never thought this is actually real. And then, is this going to kill me? Is this, is it, what is this going to do? And especially with the experience that I had before with that foreign energy coming inside me, um, I was worried that I was going, that it was going to either affect myself or one of the other crew members. I mean, that was one of the, the biggest fear that I had. And if it does, then one, am I going to come out of it or is it, are we going to be able to help, you know, one of the crew members to get out of this, this state of, of trance or possession or whatever you want to call it? You know, we've got many words to call this thing. Um, that was my greatest fear is that, you know, mainly the safety of the crew um, and especially having my wife there, you know, I thought, my God, you know, well, what if something happens to her? You know, it's, it was just, it was just full on. It was violent. That's the only way I can put it. It was absolute violence that was displayed in that hallway. Nothing more, nothing less. Is that the first time that you've ever felt like intimately in danger? No, well, this, this, oh, actually, it probably happened around, um, when it comes to the paranormal, so I'm just trying to com- compare this with, with my Yowie experience, but let's put that aside now. But um, 
in in a way of the paranormal. Um, the only other fear I felt when I was eight years old, when I lived in a, an old place, and this, this elderly couple came out of a black black sort of um, part of the, the wall. It was very, very dark, and they came up to my bed, and it scared the living hell out of me. Um, apart from that, yeah, I guess this was probably one of the, the most horrifying experiences I had when it comes to, to hauntings. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Because I couldn't imagine being in a situation like that where the the thing that you're looking for is presenting such danger that you don't know one how to get around it or two how do you, how do you compete with that if you hypothetically you know had to face that? Well, you know, it's a good point because at the end of the day, we really don't know what the hell we're dealing with. Um, we're talking about unseen forces here that are capable of manipulating the physical environment around us. So if they're capable of doing that, what else are they capable of? Um, I don't know how much time you've got here, mate, but I've got some really juicy stuff that I can tell you when it comes to how far these energies can actually go and how much danger some of these energies can actually pose on people. Absolutely, mate. Um, let's, Let's dive into it. Yeah, okay. All right. So this was this was one of one of the experiences that we had. But I'll come back to this place a little bit later on, just to sort of compare with you how far these energies can actually go. Now, when I was filming a, a series called Paranormal Investigators Phasmophobia, we were filming at another hospital, again in country New South Wales. Um, and this place was quite interesting because what we did was it was in a ward, a completely separate ward, a separate building. It was at the far end of the complex. And again, there was, you know, this, this, there, was, there was a nature reserve very, very close by. So there was basically a, an area there where people believed to have actually who escaped when it committed suicide in this forest. So it actually did have a very dark history. And we went into this ward and the challenge was was that this lady, uh, we actually had three three ladies with us, but a particular lady, her job was to go in there by, her, by herself into this into this ward at night, armed with a torch, a small torch, not a not one of the powerful ones that we had to have one of those little cheap Kmart jobs, and with a, a night vision camera. And she had to find some instructions. And those instructions basically told her what she needs to do. So 
the good thing about this series was that, you know, some of the guys actually did hide in there and create noise, and her, her, her job was to go in and investigate to see if what she was hearing was normal or paranormal. So she had to decide whether or not, you know... And this was basically a real-life situation because, you know, if, if you do go to an abandoned property and you hear sounds, well, it could be either an animal that got in or someone broke in or there could be squatters in there, and you have to go there and investigate to see... If what you're dealing with is is really you know beyond our beyond our understanding, or it's just something mundane, you know, so that was the whole point. <clears throat> now, when we had, did a regroup, you know, everybody got together. But what actually happened was is one of the setups was was that my daughter had a black cloak, and she was there accompanied by a good friend of mine, and her job was well, as soon as this lady stepped into the hallway, she would actually walk across the hallway with his black cloak on to scare the shit out of her so she can go and investigate to see if this was a person or was, you know, was a spirit. But what my daughter did is that she walked across the hallway, then she went around the back way and then joined my friend who, who was there sort of taking care of her to make sure that she wasn't alone in the dark in a place like that. So when we did a regroup, everybody turned up except for my friend and my daughter. And we thought, well, I probably didn't hear that, you know, guys, let's come together and let's, let's discuss, you know, what we were doing. Um, so we basically had face the camera. So the challenge of the young lady, she was talking to some of the investigators and I was explaining to her that, look, this is the reason why we did this. So that, you know, so, when, you know, when you are investigating something like this, it's a real life situation. And then my wife looks up and says, well, where's Michelle? And then all of a sudden, my brand new battery just went bam, like that, flat. And I said, well, this is really strange because this battery was fully charged. But I said, look, that's all right. I've got a spare one. So as I'm sort of fumbling around getting a battery, my friend turns up without my daughter. And my wife says to our friend, he goes, well, where's Michelle? And he he doesn't say anything. That's a funny thing. He just looks at her, gives her this cynical grin, laughs, and then walks away into the dark. And then my wife's going, you know, what the hell? She calls out his name and goes, what the hell? So they end up following him and he's gone. So they're yelling out, you know, they're yelling out my friend's name, yelling out my daughter's name, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. And then they come out of the back room there and um, they say, yeah, guys, what's going on? You know, well, we're all hiding. And then my wife's saying, well, you were just here without Michelle. What the hell? How come you left her alone? And he says, I didn't leave her alone, not for a second. Mate, I just got chills. (laughs) This was a doppelganger. So what whatever we experienced had the capabilities of actually physically morphing itself into someone that we knew who was who's close to us as a good friend, a trustworthy friend friend, and then presenting itself in front of all these people and then walking away and just cynically laughing. Probably thinking that, hey, guys, I either fooled you or I have the capabilities of doing that. What else can I do? That's terrifying. It, oh, it was. That would really play tricks on you because what what's real and what's not in that situation after that? Well, that's it. It's The, the funny thing was my camera switched off. It's a patch went completely flat as soon as this guy turned up or this thing turned up. And I've actually found it quite quite frequently this actually happened that we when we go to these haunted places the batteries on my equipment just drain like there's no tomorrow so mate i don't know i really don't know what to say because you know 
there was a, another doppelganger incident there as well with the guys or investigators uh, experience, I think, the second night when we were there. And it was only a very brief encounter, about three or four in the morning. But this thing was there, standing there, and it was there for about a minute or two minutes, you know, um, physically there, present, in person, and mimicking a friend of ours. It was just incredible. I don't know how I would ever react to being in a situation like that because that that's genuinely something that is kind of world-breaking if you encounter something like that. Well, it is. It is. And the thing is, though, we didn't have a conversation with it. The only thing that we got out of it was a cynical laugh and it walked away and that was it. And we followed it. The guys, well, I didn't, but the guys followed it. My wife did. And so did the investigators because, you know, they said, well, okay, where's Michelle? Let's, let's go find her quickly. And they assumed that they were leading her or were leading my wife and the team members to, to my daughter. Um, but that wasn't the case because whoever, the, whatever that thing was, was, was something that we did not know, someone who we, we weren't aware of that actually existed or lived there or dwelled there. I don't know. I don't even know if that thing actually lives there. It was just something that just decided to come in. Um, it still boggles our minds. It makes me think if it was a mimic, which is kind of like this, and I, I don't even know if these things are real. This is just something that I hear about in the in the paranormal world is that a mimic is this type of entity that can, well, of the name kind of says it all, it, it mimics what is around it, you know, a person or, or, or an animal, something like that. And then it kind of goes to, you've got to ask the question, what has that ability? What has that power? Well, exactly, exactly. But see, what I've learned over the years, Kate, is that these things have the ability to morph into anything they want to. So if they want to frighten you, I think they, they have the ability to actually see into your darkest fears and be able to project that into the real world. Um, and a case in point is actually if we go back to that so-called Skinwalker Ranch, one of the experiences that we've had there is we were on a shoot there at one point in time, and then when the shoot finished, most of the people left. So there's only a few of us that, that kind of remained there. And there was uh, this, this, this two occasions that actually, oh, maybe even more, maybe about three occasions, this, this particular, a very similar encounter actually happened. And on one occasion, what actually happened was that Three of us, three guys decided that, okay, we're going to go in alone into the hallway and we're going to stand there and see if this thing, because obviously when I say thing, this whole poltergeist thing, there's a whole history behind it. So between when that poltergeist incident happened to this point, quite a few years had actually lapsed and quite a number of incidents have actually happened. And I'd be here, mate, all night talking about it, but... Um, but what I'm going to do is instead of going all that, telling you all that story, all those stories, there was a whole succession of encounters that happened where this thing, I don't know what it is, would present itself and would latch onto people and mainly men, not women, but men and would turn them into this violent rage of, I don't know what. And occasionally it would present itself, but it was, it presented itself as a dark mist and even in darkness 
it was even darker than dark, if you know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, like it's just absorbing the atmosphere. Just nothing around it. Light does not escape this thing. So effectively what we did is is after a whole bunch of encounters, three guys decided, right, well, let's go in. We'll go into the hallway. We'll stand there. We'll see what happens. And we went in and we stood into the hallway. Now, I do remember this clearly that we did have a, I think it was either full moon or close to a full moon because we remember standing in the hallway and the hallway has has a row of um, uh, windows and we had this diffused moonlight filtering in. And then after the windows, the hallway started and the hallway has zero windows, absolutely nothing. So you can imagine how dark this thing is. We're standing there and there's a bifold door almost, well, wasn't really in front of us. It was probably about 10 metres beyond the actual where the light came through, so beyond the windows uh, where the actual hallway got really, really dark. So we're standing there. There's no wind outside. So we can see just far enough, just before the actual door started, and we're waiting there patiently, and we can hear sounds in the distance in front of us, and it kept on coming closer and closer. It was almost like something was walking very carefully on the hallway. You can hear this creaking sound. It was getting closer. It's getting closer. And occasionally the walls would creak as well. So whatever it was had some serious weight to it. And all of a sudden we could hear the bifold door creaking in front of us. So we're looking at each other thinking, okay, well, this is it. So we stood back. We allowed more light in front of us. So as we stood back, there was obviously uh, more rows of, of, of windows. There was more moonlight coming in, filtering through as though it was dull light. And all of a sudden that light that was filtering through was blocked and it was being absorbed by this dark mass that was getting closer and closer and closer to us. And it got to a point where it got so close that just the three of us thought, no, that's it, we're bailing out. That was it, we're gone. We're we're not going to hang around because if this thing encompasses us, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And we were dealing with something that was beyond their understanding. So we bailed out of there quick smart and... I don't even remember if we went back afterwards that night. But I know that another night that when we were there, and I know this specifically was after a shoot because there were some crew members still floating around outside. My daughter was outside talking to one of the girls and then she decided to sort of walk on her own. And then I was still inside with a few crew with face-to-camera interviews and so forth. And then she saw this thing walk on top of the roof. Now, she said that it looked like, she described it like similar to this, 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 this rake-like creature. It was like a very tall, spindly black thing that had like waves of like, almost like tentacles coming out of its back. And it was hunched over, it was walking across the roof. Now, when we were in there, I also do recall hearing something walking on the roof, but I didn't know what it was at the time. But she saw that on her own. So one can say that, okay, it was probably a parapsychological experience. You know, it was either, A, it could have been a, uh, a combination of fear that created this, this image for her, or maybe she had a psychic experience, or perhaps she really did see this physically. But what really underlined this experience was what happened next, because she actually went up to one of our, our good friends 
who was there at the time, and they were standing in a spot where there were two buildings. So there was one building on one side, and of course the hospital was on the other side, and there was this this really weak little light that was sort of that just kind of bathed this area with amber light. And then as they were talking, Michelle was explaining to what she was seeing, they heard something shuffling across the ground. And when they looked over, now two independent witnesses claimed that they saw this. What they saw was basically the torso of a human being with a head that was bald or decomposed or whatnot. It had no legs, but it was crawling on its on its elbows really, really fast from one side of the building to the other side of the building. Oh, my God. That is genuinely terrifying. Just the thought of that. Now, which, yeah, I know. <laughs> what, again, what really underlined this was that there was two independent witnesses that saw the same identical thing. So when I came out, you know, there was this commotion and the guys are saying, look, you know, this is what's been going on outside. Why you guys are inside, this is some of the stuff, stuff that's been going on outside. We're no longer comfortable here anymore. We need to leave now because whatever this thing is, it presented itself to my daughter. It was at a distance, but then this thing was, was too close for comfort. We need to go because obviously it's telling us a message that we need to leave. So this was another experience that, again, you would, you know, you, you tell people who have never been in this situation before and think, oh, well, you know, you're just making shit up. But it's not the case because, again, you know, you, as, as, a, as somebody who investigates cases and all that kind of stuff, like as a journalist now, the way I look at myself as a video journalist, you investigate claims and, okay, one person's encounter is one person's encounter. And sometimes they look, do you have anything else that can sort of support your claim? And sometimes they'll either have a video or a photo or they may only have just it's just an anecdotal case and you just say, All right, well, I can compare that with another case that I've heard, you know, a couple of years ago or a few months ago. But I've had on instances where you had corroboration of multiple witnesses, like, for example, a UFO case that happened in 1999. There were six independent witnesses to a flying saucer that they saw that was hovering above them. In this case, there were two independent witnesses, and, and I know for a fact that, that my, my daughter, I've trained her a lot uh, over the years in filmmaking, and this other person, this other good friend of ours, she's what I would regard as, as, a, uh, as an experienced observer uh, and a very critical uh, mind with her. She analyzes things um, very carefully, and for her and my daughter to see the same thing at the same time and try to say, well, okay, well, that was just, you know, imagination or, or a collective hallucination, uh, I, would, I would completely disregard that as, as, as being, being it because what they saw, I believe, was in fact in our reality because they both saw it happen at the same time. Not only that, but they also heard sound associated with the crawling. So it was actually moving through the grass and it was actually creating this rustling sound. So they heard sound, they had vision, it was all there. Um, and, and for me to, to hear a story like this and to, to 
to to be at a place like this means that we're dealing with something that is beyond your average haunting. This is way beyond anything that I'd ever been used to or anything that I've had experienced prior. I mean, it's all good and well that you hear noises and have the experiences, those, those parapsychological experiences, but when you have something at, at this level, you know that you're dealing with something that is very, very serious indeed. Yeah, Attila, I don't, I don't know what to say to that type of stuff because... You know, that, that stuff is genuinely just raised every hair in my body. And I'm sure it's done it to the, to the listeners as well, because, you know, you shared hallucinations don't just happen. There, there's, there's too many things going on. There's too many sensory, um, triggers happening in that type of encounter to say that these are not really happening. So for mm. me, I, it's just terrifying to know that that type of stuff is out there. That type of stuff is out in Australia. And to, to know that that thing may still be out there right now is one of the most haunting thoughts I've, I've ever had in my life, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, it's, uh, Kate, I, I agree with you because, uh, okay, I've got now shit going on here. All right, that's really weird. <laughs> Something just got flung off my table. All right, <laughs> you're joking. All right, no, I kid you not. No, no, the, the, the headpiece that I had up here just got flung off on the ground. But anyway, it's, I, I won't go into that. For, for, the, for the people who who are listening, we had about thirty seconds of extremely weird activity just happen between the two of us. So. Yeah, yeah, this is just, um, yeah, it's just really, really, really strange, mate. It's um. I really don't know how to express myself. I mean, the, the when it comes to this place, it's just I don't know, man. It's it's um, if there was a classification for something like this, I'd probably put it at the most highest level. You know, um, it's um, you know, and this is only only some of the stuff that we encountered there. I mean, that the black mass, obviously that rake-looking like creature that was walking on the roof and then this thing that was crawling across on elbows. I mean, my son and I, to give you another encounter, uh, we were there at one point in time just cleaning up after ourselves, after a – after a uh, just, just – it was a shoot. I was doing another project. It didn't really come to fruition, but um, pardon me. That's just another story. But we were cleaning up after ourselves. And it was just after sunset. And we we're talking to the owner, and um, and as the owner walked away, you know, we were sort of walking down, just rolling up our uh, XLR cables and and all that kind of stuff, and then packing them away. And he looks up, and I look up because we could sense something that was happening in front of us. And then we saw these dog-like creatures run across the the actual yard there, and actually into the complex. Um, and these things, the way they looked, and I really. I know it's going to be again another one that I'm adding to it, but it is it is so this place is so incredible that I just just can't sort of explain how incredible this is. Now, these things look like dogs, but had like a body of a human and long sort of spindly legs, and were just running across two of them and into the complex, and we heard nothing. There was no sound, no nothing. So. But even seeing something like that, and I said to my son, I said, did you just see this? I didn't hallucinate that, right? He says, yeah. Okay. I said, well, explain to me what you saw. And he explained to me what he saw. And, and I said, well, I saw the same thing. Now, whether or not, you know, it was a, a shared 
um, parapsychological experience, you know, I don't know because we didn't hear sound this time, but anything could have been possible because there were people who actually who, who claimed to have had seen very similar creatures like that within that compound, within that area. So, mate, anything's possible, I guess, in that place. It's just what creates this is beyond me. It um, Whether it's one entity that's actually creating these things or it's morphing itself similar to the one where we experienced the doppelganger, which was, again, in a completely different area, um, I don't know. It's There's so many questions uh, that are going to be left unanswered that but I, I guess we can live for a thousand years and I don't think we'll have the answers to this. Well, Attila, if it's okay with you, mate, do you mind coming on and doing a part two to this? Just because I'd love to, I'd love to dive in on this a little bit deeper. And I'm, I'm kind of worried this, this weirdness that's going on between us during this call may kind of interrupt everything that we've, we've kind of got going on here. So would you feel comfortable coming back on and, and kind of talking about a couple of those other things that you encountered on at that place? Yeah, I can do that, mate. No problems at all. Perfect, mate. Let's let's lock that in because your your phone's kind of playing up. I can hear it on your end. I can see some weird stuff starting to happen on my recorder here, and I'm just a little bit worried. <laughs> so <laughs> let's. Uh, oh, mate. yeah, mate. This is yeah. It's just what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds, no, indeed? No. Well, until until thank you so much for coming on, mate. We'll um, I'm going to my pleasure. I'll book you in ASAP again, mate, because I wanna I wanna do this as a part one, part two, because I think this is uh, I think these episodes are gonna kind of blow some people's minds and um, really, really awaken those people who may be on the edge about the paranormal. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, mate. Completely. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe. And you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.